Okay, Meredik. So today's daf is daf Zion, page seven in Mesechus Megillah. Um, we, together we got a few lines down on Zion and Aleph, but let's back up to remind ourselves the beginning of the sugya. We'll, we'll back up to the very bottom two words on daf Vav Amudez. Okay, and remember this is a very Nigea sugya. This is something that, especially this year for us, it's a leap year. The topic we're having is when you have two Adars, when do we read the Megillah? When do we have the Dalad Parshios, the various mitzvos? Is it the first Adar, second Adar, both, right? Okay. So what we're doing here is working off of the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel, who says that you need to, uh, you, you need to read the Megillah in the second Adar. And Rabbi Shimon Gamliel brought two psukim to prove his point. So we're out in the bottom two words on Vav Amadbez. The Gemara says, It is necessary to have two verses to, uh, to prove that you, you keep the mitzvahs in the second Adar. Why? It's necessary to have the Pazik of Hashenis, which would tell me the second Adar. It's also necessary to write Bechol Shon Okay, we, we learned this yesterday, but we're just refreshing our minds. Why? If the pasuk, if we just would have brought the pasuk of each and every year, and if that's all the Megillah would have written, I would have thought like we thought. Now what does it mean like the, every year? The first Adar after Shvat. So let's us know, no, don't keep Purim in the first Adar. Rather, it could be in the second one. And if you would have just, uh, just said the second, uh, the second Adar, I would have said maybe do the first and the second month. So we just explained why Rishon Gamliel um, uses both psukim to let us know that it's specifically the second month that the Megillah is read and all the mitzvahs purim are kept. Okay, says the Gemara. According to Rabbi Eliezer who says that when you have two Adars, you keep Purim in the first Adar, Hai Hashem is my overlay. What's he going to do with this whole drusha we just made? It says Hashem is the second month. He holds it's in the first month. Answer the Gemara, He uses Hashem to teach me the same message of Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda, who says, Originally, Purim only was observed in the city of Shushan. That was the locale of the nace, and therefore Purim was kept in Shushan alone. And then Hashanis means afterwards, like it was like kind of like the second year of Purim. That was when it was established for the entire world to keep Purim. Okay, period. End of that discussion. New statement. Amar of Shmuel Bar Yehuda. Roshul Bar Yehuda says, Shoch, by the way, we're about to go on a fascinating and beautiful journey on various uh, mitzvos and incidents uh, that have to do with Purim. That's going to take us into the middle of Zion Amabez. And then we're going to have um, two more Mishnayis that actually have nothing to do with Purim. Okay? It's going to be a completely separate halacha. Um, and that's, we're kind of like going to go on a little bit of a tangent from Purim, starting on Amad Bez for about uh, two and a half to three blots. 
Amr Shubar Yehuda, Shubar Yehuda says, Esther sent a message to the Chachamim. And what did she say? Make sure Purim is kept everywhere for all generations. They responded to her, Purim is not, it's dangerous. It's too dangerous to uh, establish Purim and Mikra Megillah all around the world because when the Gayim hear about this, they're going to throw a fit. And... You know, at, as long as we're in Gullus, it, it's not going to be pretty. It might not be a good idea. Master responded, She says, listen, I already put this into the history books of Malchim Madayuparas. All the Gayesha kids are learning this in their public schools. And there's no need for concern that we're going to kind of like be reigniting the the issue now what would be the issue weren't they taking you know wasn't the decree against the jews yeah but ultimately once once uh, Haman was killed the decree was changed for the jews to be able to wipe out anybody who messes with them right so that's really what the concern was and esther says listen this is already it's a part of history and there's no need to uh be concerned about the goyim's reaction hence purim should be established everywhere and for eternity. Rab, Rab Hanina, Rab Yechanan, Rab Chaviva, Masnu. Rab, Rabbi Hanina, Rab Yechanan, and Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Chaviva all taught us. Bikule Seder Mayid says the Gemara, by the way, whenever you find in Seder Mayid, Kalki Hai Zuga, these four names of Rab, Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Yechanan, and Rabbi Chaviva, Chalufe Rabbi Yechanan, Umail Rabbi Yechanan. Really, that Rabbi Yechanan is really referring to Rabbi Yechanan, it just wasn't. Um, quoted uh, properly, according to according to the way that um, that uh, some people uh, uh, quote this uh, th- this group. There were those whenever you, apparently this group sat together for a particular time frame, and those machlekes whether in that group was Rabbi Yechanan or Rabbi Yenison. But be it as it may, what were we taught by by Rav, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Yechanan slash Rabbi Yenison, one or the other, and Rabbi Chavid? So they said, Esther sent to the Chacham. This has to be written down and included in the writing, the reading of the Megillah should be read for all generations. They said, Didn't we write it, Shlishim? Didn't we write it three times? Okay, now what is this? So what they're, what they're explaining is actually a Pasuk from Shlami HaMelech that the story of Purim is just a hemshech, it's a continuation of the fight against Amalek. And this battle against Amalek is really uh, already written about three times. Now, shlish, halaykasati l'cha shlishim, didn't write it three times, meaning shlishim v'layribayim. Three times and not four times. We already have written three times about Amalek, and the word shlishim is letting us know we shouldn't have a fourth book in Tanakh referring to the fight against Amalek. However, atshamatsulay mikrokasa v'tayra, but they did find the Pasuk written in the Torah, which changed their mind. What did the Pasuk say? You should write this specifically in a book. What does that have to do with Mikra Megillah? So listen to this. You should write about Amalek, what is written over here in Sefer Shemais by the battle against Amalek, and in Mishnah Torah, in Devarim. What does it mean to remember? What is written in Nevi'im, okay, Nevi'im, we also have in Sefer Shmuel, the fight against Amalek, Basefer, what's Basefer? Oh, 
Masha Kosov b'Megillah, which is in the Ksuvim, yeah? So they said, oh, we, we agree to you, and originally we didn't have a source that allowed us to include Megillah's Esther. However, now that we found the Bakar, we found the source allowing it to uh, enter um, the Ksuvim, so um, we will do so. Kitanan. Now, this conversation, this back and forth, is actually a Machlekes Tanan. What does it say? Ksayv Zikarain. What's written here is Zikarain to be remembered. To remember what's written in Devarim. In a book, what's written in Nevi'im. This is the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. What do you mean? Write this. Whatever is written here in Mishnah is Zikarain. Zikarain is telling us about the story against Amalek, the war against Amalek in Navi. Vasefer means that which is written in the Megillah. Hence, Megillah can be established for all eternity. Period. End of that statement and the discussion concerning that statement of Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Now we're going to get into a new conversation, a new statement of Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel. And let's preface this with a halacha. Okay? Many of us who have had this chos to be in a shul, No, we're on the third to last thin line on Zayin Amidal, right before it gets wide. Amar of Yudah, Amar Many of us who've been to shul know that when somebody does hagba, galila, or you get an aliyah to the Torah, you're not allowed to touch the parchment. It's exactly the Rabbani, not allowed to touch the parchment. Okay? Creates, because of its kedusha, creates tumah, because I want to protect it. Okay. When somebody does glila, hagba glila, right, and it gets a little messed up, so what do you do? You touch the parchment with your hand? No. You take either your talis, you'll take the gartel, right, and we lift it up to straighten it out, eh? and that's, but we don't touch the parchment itself. Why? Because the chazal were misakin, they decreed tumma on anyone who touches a cloth. Fine. With that background, Omar of Yudah Rebuta says the name is Shmuel. Yeah, you can tell me. Esther, ain't a metamis yadayim. Megillas Esther in Ksuvim. If you have it on a cloth, it's not metamis yadayim. So any of us who have these, right, people have individual beautiful Megillas. Do they need to hold it with a talus? No. You see the Balkari, the one reading the Megillah himself, right? He's using his hand, he's opening up the cloth. We don't find that you need them because of this Gemara. It's not metame the yadayim. Now, says the Gemara. Now, the assumption here is the reason why it's not metame yadayim is because we're going to initially assume it wasn't ultimately written with Ruach HaKadosh, and therefore it doesn't have the same level of Kedusha. That's going to be the assumption, okay? Now, says the Gemara, Lameimra, do you mean to say the Savar Shmuel, Esther Lav Ruach HaKadosh? Do you mean to say that Shmuel is of the opinion that Esther was not written with Ruach HaKadosh? And based on what we said, Ruach HaKadosh would make it, would include it in the category of Tumah. Shmuel himself says explicitly that Esther's room Ruach HaKadosh. Ruach HaKadosh was to read it. The words were given over Ruach HaKadosh. But this that it needs to be written and included in Ksuvim of Tanakh, that's not. And therefore, if you do write it down, it doesn't take on the Chashivas of Tanakh. Okay? Again, Granted, it's written, it's granted it was said over Ruach HaKadosh. 
But when it's written, that part of it doesn't, the, the parchment itself doesn't take on the Kedusha. That's a challenging question. There's a dispute about Kaihelas. Rabbi Shimon says, Kaihelas is one of the times where Beishamai is lenient that says it does not give off Toma, Beishol is strict. It says it does give off Toma, Avorus, Beishirashirim. The Esther certainly Metamin is Hayadayim. So you see very clearly that, that, that the Brysa, what does the Brysa say? Rabbi Meir, Shmuel can't argue on Rabbi Meir. So Rabbi Meir says, Esther is clearly Metamin is Hayadayim. So what's the Pshat and Shmuel who says only for reading, not for writing? Answers the Gemara, who Dhamma Krabishua. You're right, that Brysa doesn't follow Shmuel. However, Shmuel's got another Brysa backing him up. He's got Rabishua, the Tana, who says that Esther was not part of Tanakh, and therefore it's not Metame Esayadayim. Yeah, simple answer. We had a question on Shmuel. Ah, there's a Tana who argues, and he says, okay, but I have a Tana who agrees with me. I'm good to go. Tanya, we learned in a Brysa. Reb Shemem Menasi, Reb Shemem Menasi says, Kaheles, in a Metame Seyadayim, Kaheles, the parchment does not Metame one's hands. Because it's not divine inspiration, it's not real Chagaydash. It was the wisdom of Shlomo. It is the wisdom of Shlomo. Kaheles, the wisdom of Shlomo. That he's sharing. Amrulai. So the Chachamim says, Reb Shemem Menasi, Bechizubo Vado Amar. One second. You're telling me Kaheles is simply but it already says, Shlomi HaMelech gave over 3,000 Mishalim. This is a Pasuk from Malachim. Now, and another Pasuk says, You're not allowed to add to the words. See, here's the two questions. You ready? Here's, here's the two proofs that there is Ruach HaKadosh. Proof number one is, Shlame HaMalach had a lot more to say than just Kehelas. So he had 3,000 Mashal. So if you're going to write it in Kohelas, how did he choose? Question number one is the assumption that whatever he wrote is because it had Ruach HaKadosh, or else he could have written it so much more. That's point number one. Point number two is, Shlame HaMalach says, uh, don't add to what I wrote over there. If it's your own words, well, why? It's Ruch HaKadosh, we understand. Okay? So first of all, the Gemara says, my Bible, why need two proofs? V'chitev, and if you're going to say, mei martuva, ha'amar, shlomi said a lot of things. Di But some, he decided to write, di boi le'ichtiv. You know, kind of like a public, uh, uh, right? Uh, an author writes a book, the publisher takes it from 3,000 pages to 300 pages. But it doesn't mean anything's particularly uh, more divine inspiration. Just you bulleted your point. You made the drasha short, right? Tashma al taise al taischa al devarav. So therefore, it says, "Do not add at all," which seems to give off the connotation that it's because Itaka was written with ruach hakodesh. You see, from here, this brisa wants to understand. I'm sorry, this gemara wants to understand that taka kaihelas would have been written with ruach hakodesh. Tiny, we learned another brisa. Rabbi Eliezer says, Esther, I'll prove to you that Esther was said over with Ruach HaKadosh. Shenemar. 
What does the Pasuk say, Megillah Esther? And Haman said in his heart, I'm the... Well, one second. Who knows what's going on in Haman's heart? We're humans. How are we supposed to know what's going on in Haman's heart? It must be Ruach HaKadosh. We know Esther was doing Ruach HaKadosh. How so? Esther was found to be favorable and beautiful in the eyes of everybody who saw her. Now, how do, how do you know? You never know what somebody's thinking, unless it's from the Rabbi Nishayim. The Rabbi Nishayim is the Yedei HaMachshavis. He's the one who knows everybody's thoughts. So he could write, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with Ruach HaKadosh, he could give over to Mordechai and Esther that this is what everybody was thinking. If Mayor Rabbi Mayor says, Esther Baruch HaKadosh, I'll prove to you from a different passage. It was told over to Mordechai what was going to happen. Rabbi Yaisi ben Dormascus, Rabbi Yaisi ben Dormascus, from Damascus says, or unless it was his father's name, Esther Baruch HaKadosh, I'll give you another proof, by the battle, nobody took any of the loot. Now, who knows that? How do you know if nobody stuffed a dollar in their pocket? Again, you know everybody's actions, you know everybody's thoughts. So, we have another proof. Omar Shmuel, Shmuel says, if I would have been amongst that conversation, these Chachamim sitting around and proving that it was Ruach Mikulu. I could have quoted a Pasuk that is even more, uh, a bigger proof, and more direct of a proof to Ruach HaKadosh. Shenemar Kimu Vikibalu, was Mekayim and Mekabo. What does that mean? Kimu Lemala, Masha Kiblu Above in Shemayim was changed what Klai Yisrael down here accepted. How do we know what's going on in Shemayim? Unless these words are coming from Shemayim. Rava says, Lakulu Islahu Pircha. I could find issues with everybody, all these Tanayim's proofs, the Barmi, the Shmuel, the Lesley Pircha, except for Shmuel. Shmuel, you can't argue on Shmuel's. No, Rubba's sticking up for Shmuel. And he says, Shmuel, you got it. You nailed it. That, that's a Meridika proof. Okay. Now, Rava is going to tell us why Shmuel's got the greatest proof. So here we go. The Rebbe Eliezer. According to Rebbe Eliezer, the first opinion, who proved it from Haman speaking in his heart, right? Rebbe Eliezer Svarahu. You could say it's logic. It was logical that that's what Haman said in his heart. There's nobody on Haman's political level, the high Mapish Tuva, and spoke so much. Yeah, Haman had a big mouth, a big ego. And therefore, everybody knows that what his plan was, was for his own personal agenda. That's how you get to where you're at with Haman's stature. Okay. The Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva as well. How did Rabbi Akiva prove that uh, Esther was written with Ruach HaKadosh? Because it said Esther found favor in the eyes of everybody who saw her. How do we know? Says Rabbi, Doma... Maybe we could say like Rabbi Lazar, the Amar who says, It was her physical appearance. It's very interesting. Esther's physical appearance made her look like a native of everyone's land. Some people, right, people naturally are more comfortable with the looks that they are accustomed to. So you could be from 
South America. He could be from North America. He could be from Asia. He could be from any, any continent. Right? Antarctica. So anybody who saw Esther, she found favor in their eyes. They, they found familiarity in her physical looks. And therefore, it was a physical thing, so it was known. It wasn't, didn't take particular Ruach HaKadosh. Bahad the Rebbe Meir. And, and this that we said, that Esther was in Ruach HaKadosh from Rebbe Meir, who said that Mordechai, it was, it was told to Mordechai, and made it known to Mordechai, come on. No, Doma, that's not a proof either. Doma, Krebchia, Barabba, Doma, Big Son, Visharesh, Nei, Tarshiyamah. That he overheard Big Son and Zeresh. They were speaking Tar, right? They were, they were speaking Tarshish, they were speaking their language, and Mordechai was on the Sanhedrin, he understood the language. But it doesn't mean that there was necessarily was Ruach HaKadosh. Rather, of Yaisi ben Damascus, and this of Yaisi ben Damascus says that after the war, Ubabiza leisholchu as Yodom, that nobody took from the loot, Doma pristike shador. Maybe they sent guards making sure, right? They sent officers making sure that nobody took anything. Did they know a million percent? They know a million percent, but that's, that, it's letting us know that was the rule. Okay. Therefore, since we could find a gap in everybody else's proof in Megillah that it was done by Ruach HaKadosh, Yishmuel, Vadai, Leslie, Pircha. You can't argue on Shmuel's proof. Ravina, Ravina says, Hainu Damri This is similar to what people say, Tova, Chada, Pilpalta, one sharp pepper. Charifta is more flavorful than Mile, Tani, Vikari than an entire basket full of melons and gourds. Right? So you can have a little bit, so a, a small little thing, referring to Shmuel the Amira. Yeah, obviously it was Shmuel, it was big, but you just, this is what people say, a little pepper could oof, give a bigger kick than uh, much larger, uh, much larger things. Okay. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef has a proof that Esther was written with Ruach HaKadosh from the following Pasuk. It says, And these days of Purim, Yavru should not pass over Mitaychayudim. It, it always must and will remain amongst Klal Yisrael. Now, how do you know that? That it's always going to remain uh, unless you had Ruach Hakaidash. Rav Nachmani has another proof. He says, "I'll prove to you Ruach Hakaidash from here." The Zichram and the remembrance, La Yosef, will never be gathered in. Will, not, will never be removed Mizaram from their children. Period. End of that Gemara. We're now up to the two dots, three lines from the bottom of that Zion Amadav. The Mishnah said, Okay. And on Pidim, we give gifts to the poor. We're now going to learn a little bit about Mishleach Banais, the food gift, and Matanas Lavian. They sent food. They sent foods. Um, one each man to his friend, which means two foods to one individual. That's the mitzvah of Mishlech Manas. It's not sending two brachas to 100 people. That's what has become. Okay? The mitzvah of Mishlech Manas is to send two foods to one person. There are those who actually say you shouldn't send to 100 people because then it defeats the purpose of Mishlech Manas. Because if, if you're giving 100 people and everybody's getting Mishleach Manas, they all know that everybody's getting, so it's not special anymore and you're not building your relationships. The purpose of Mishleach Manas is to show one yid, you're special in my eyes. But if you all of a sudden, you got to show everybody they're special so nobody's special. Okay? So there, there is that approach. I'm not telling you what to do, but food for thought. 
Umatonastavyanim. And what is the mitzvah of Matanastavyanim? Shtei Matanais, two Matanais, two gifts. Vishnei b'nei Adam to two people. Now, what does it mean, two gifts to two people? This means two people should get a, a gift. Money's fungible, right? You can't give two gifts of money. So what does it mean, two gifts to two people? It means give two people enough that they can buy a meal on purse. That's how much you need to give matanas avyanim. What's the minimum amount of matanas avyanim? Depends where you live. Right? Whatever's going to cost that person to buy themselves a bakavadikah meal. A respectful meal, okay? Rav Yehuda Nesia Shadalei Lerav Aishia. Rav Yehuda Nesia sent Rav Aishia Atma de Egla Tulsa, the thigh of a third-born calf, which is the most tender meat, the garba de chamra, and a bottle of wine. Sholachle and Rav Aishia sent back to Rav Yehuda Nesia top of Amud Beis Kiyamta Banu Rabenu Umishloach Manais Ishlerei Eyu. By sending me the meat and the wine, you have mamish fulfilled it in the best possible manner. What is this line over here? A very important line. And that is, even when you send two foods to a person, the purpose is to enhance our relationship. So if I were to walk over, I've got Simcha sitting right next to me, okay? So I, w- I walk over to you. And I say, oh, I, I'm Amish, I, I care so much about our relationship. Here is four jelly beans and an eight-ounce water bottle from Costco. Does that show you in any way that I care? No. Because the level of relationship that we have, a bottle of wine would be a lot more, would signify something a lot more. Okay? Now, it's not because you're a high roller. It's just that because of our status and who we are, four jelly beans is not, it's not a covet. You understand? This is, it's very important halacha. This is lemaisa. You have to know this. When we give mishleach manas, it's got to be done in a bakavadik way, where it's enhancing the relationship. So which means it might depend on who you're giving to. For, okay, we don't, we're not, not the 6D that we make for everybody, or the 20. That, give a bottle of, of uh, Mykonites, the Seder, Right? But you're one person who you're sending your two people for for your mitzvah, right? Make sure that that is bakavadik of your stature and the person you're giving's stature. He sent a thigh of a third born calf and a bottle of wine. He's saying, oh, azazach, it's two foods. Very bakavadik. That's, that's the message over here. Rabba shodalei lemari barmar biyad abai. Rabba sent abai with mari barmar. You, again, to reiterate, you don't need to do that for your hundred. That people just, you know, give out. You give to me, I give to you. He gives it's like Arvim Kippur. You Michael me, I Michael you, right? Okay. Rab sent to Mari Barmar Biyadabai. Malay Taska de Kavsha. He sent him a basket of dates. Umali Kosa. And he filled up a cup, Kimcha, with flour de Afshuna that was roasted. Amali Abai Abai says, Hashta Amar Mari. Now Mari is going to say, Ichalka. Now that the, the, the Ichakla, the, the commoner, uh, Malkahave, became a king. The Kula Meitzavare, he doesn't uh, take off his dekel, uh, a, a dekel basket, a palm basket from his neck, Loinachis is not removed. Hadar Shadi Ihu, Samari sent back to him, meaning, you know, he, what, what does it mean he removed the basket of it? You're a Kavadika guy, like I see. You're trying to, Yeah, Choshua stuff. Hadar Shadi Ihu, by the way, 
Yeah, psh. When somebody says psh, what does that mean? Yeah, that means the, you know, don't get so excited about yourself. Somebody gets an Ali in Shul, right? Ah, you're getting called up. Psh. Yeah, but hold the like you. So Mari Bar, Bar, Mari Bar Mar sent back. Milei Tasca, a basket of Zangvila, of ginger. Umale Kaspan, he sent back a cup, de palpalta aricha, of very long, pep, of long peppers. Amr Abai, Abai says, hashtam armar. Now Mar is going to say, I sent him sweet stuff. He sent me back bitter stuff. Okay, Amr Abai, Abai says, When I was finished in Rabbi's house, I was mamish stuff like a turkey, yeah? When I got there, I was so hungry that they would have brought me 60 plates with 60 different types of foods. And, and I actually ate 60 foods. And the last cooked dish that they gave me, they called it roasted pot. What we know as pot roast. And I wanted... Uh, I wanted to eat my plate Abasra afterwards. That's how that's how like much food I could eat. That's how delicious everything was. Amr Abai and Abai says, This is why people say you may be full, but a poor person is unconscious to even knowing how hungry he is. He says, I, I thought, right? He says, I, I went to I, I went to um uh when I, when I went to the house, I was, I was full. And then I got there, and the foods they brought me out, Mamish made me salivate and allowed my stomach to expand and eat all these foods where, to the point where I even, I even want to eat the plate. Okay? Inami, or you could say, another message that people say is, there's always room for dessert. There's always room for dessert. You may have been full, but then all of a sudden you went to somebody else's house because it's all good, soft, zunta, sweet foods. Ah! Yeah, somehow... Somehow, you'll uh, be able to find more room. Yeah, there was a there was a guy who was mamish. He ate so much. He was at a smorgasbord and he mamish stuff in his face. He walked over. He, somebody's he's talking to him. He says, "Ah, oh, mamish, I'm so full." The guy says, "Why don't you stick your finger down your throat and throw up? Get the food out." I'm not recommending to do that. The guy said, "If I had room for my finger, I'd throw in a pickle." That's it. All right. Some foods you like so much, you just, you, you figure out a way to get it down there. They would, literally means they would exchange their meals with each other. Okay, what does it mean they would exchange their meals with each other? Rashi says that they would go to each other's homes every other year. One year, um, Abai... Mishpacha uh, Sabaya Bar Oven went to Rev Chanina Bar Oven's house, and the next year he went to Abaya's house. Which the Mefarshim learned from this Gemara, it is better to have a Suda with other families. Right? Sometimes we prefer to give our Shalach Manas, go to the, you know, go to the Puramisiba, but my Suda I want to have by myself. There's something to that, as we learned with COVID. There's something very beautiful about people staying by themselves, doing it their way. Eh? But we do see from here that part of Simchas Purim is to be together with other Yidin, to do it together with Kosai. At least at some point throughout Purim, it's Kedai to not be a hermit, yeah, to, to get out there. Amar Rav, Rav says, 
Okay, a person's obligated to get drunk on Pidim until they don't know the difference between Arhaman and Baruch Mordechai. Okay, he says, nowadays, even then, probably he explains that it means a person should drink a little bit there's a whole conversation about not to know the difference. Either it means don't know the difference in when you're reciting Sheshana Siakov. Um, they would all sing it together and you get mixed up with the words, okay, which is not a high level of drunk. Or you could say that you don't, that to, to change is that a person drinks a little bit of wine to the point where in Ruchnius you realize that Arur Haman, Haman's badness, and the blessing that came to Mordechai is the same Yad Hashem. You don't know the difference between Arham and Abar of Mordechai. It's, and, and wine can loosen up our minds to go, come closer to the Baruch Hashem in that way. But there's not a single opinion, legitimate opinion that I've seen recently that says that on Purim you're supposed to get stone drunk. I don't know if, if anybody does come across one of the uh, Paiskim of our generation or previous generation that says that's how it's supposed to be observed. Please show it to me. But uh, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying people should completely stop drinking. But just know it's not a mitzvah. It's not a mitzvah. You might want to get stone drunk. But say that that's your own problem. But to say that it's a mitzvah is wrong. Rabba and Rav Zera of the Sudas Purim Rabba and Rav Zera were having their suuda together. Now listen to the story. <laughs> it's very exciting. Okay. They got drunk. Come, Rabba, the either Sachte or Shachte Rabzer. Depends how you read it. Shachte means he shechted him. That's Pashup Shah. You can also say Sachte, okay? Which, uh, okay. Um, let's stick with the Pashup Shah. He shechted him. The next day, he was, you know, he, he got over his hangover. And he realized that Reb Zeira died. So he davin and tchias amazing. The shana the next year, Omar le he said neisi marav and evasuda purim adilat. Let's have a suda's purim together again. Omar le, no, thank you. Lo b'chol shaita b'shaita misrache shnita nisa. I appreciate last time you chopped my head off and then the next day kindly washed it off and gently put it back. And I was, you know, I had tchias amazing. This year I don't think it's a good idea. I think this year we should each have our own sudas in our own homes. Interestingly, he didn't say I'll come as long as we don't get drunk. Yeah, so I guess you have to know your people. I don't know. I don't know uh, what it was. Yeah, it's obviously a high-level story, a difficult story, but a high-level story between two tremendous uh, amiram, tzaddikim, whatever this, uh, whatever the message is from this particular story. But uh, certainly, if you read it at at uh, face value, um, the. The Gemara is teaching us an important message to be careful how we perform mitzvahs and not to go over the top. Omar Rav says, Sudas Purim The person eats Sudas Purim at night, the Yastech The mitzvah of Purim is by day, not by night. By time, what's the reason? You may Mishta Vesimcha, Ksiva says the days of Mishta Vesimcha, and not by night. Okay. Ravashi Abi Yosef Kamei, the Rav Kahana. Noga Veloi Osu Rabban. Ravashi was with Rav Kahana, and the Rabbanon did not come to learn Torah. It was Purim. Avadi, you need to learn Torah on Purim. Yeshiva, Mordechai, Tzaddik, right? Amar Le'i, Ravash, Ezra, Kahana, Maitam, Ezra, Rabbana, where are the Yeshiva guys? What's going on? 
Dilma treaty with Suda's Burbs. He says, Oh, I think maybe they're having a Suda. They're Isaac Bamitsa, they're involved in the Mitzvah. Omar Lay, Bahavalayevsha, the Mikla Borta. Why are they having a Suda now? It's time for it's time for Yeshiva. They should have had their Suda's Purim last night. It is. Omar Lay, he says, oh, No, no, no. That's not possible. My Shmiele, didn't you hear? Lamar, didn't my master hear? Because of our Pasuk. Only Yemei Mishta Vesimcha. Omar Lay, Omar Lay, Tana, Omar Lay says to him, Omar Lay in. He says, I heard. Tana Minei, our Ba'an Zimin. He learned this from Rav Kahana 40 times. Until it was like in his back pocket. It was put into his kiss, into his purse. Okay? So, another message you see from here is, first of all, you can be a big Roshiva and not know everything. Right? Not from us. But I'm talking about from Roshiva. For, for us, we have to view our Roshivas as if, you know, as if they do know everything. But even if a person's on a level, such a high level, other people have got, there's always more to learn. And when it, also what we're saying is, when you do learn something, get it till it's in your back pocket. Don't just take it and be like, okay, you know, and then uh, we forget because we didn't care enough. Okay, end of that Gemara. We're now going to learn two more Mishnayis on today's daf, And we are going to pivot from the... Uh, we learned that the, previously in the Mishnah, there's no difference between other Rishon and Shani. And now we're going to continue with the Ein Bains. Let's go. Ein Bain. There is no difference between Yom Tov Shabbos, between Pesach, Shavuos, and Zogas Shabbos. Ella... Or Shona, you could say, Ella Eichel Nefesh Bubad. Except for Eichel Nefesh. Whatever is forbidden to do on Shabbos, it's forbidden to do on Yom Tif, Except for preparing food. Says the Gemara, Hala Inyan Machshire Eichel Nefesh. But what about preparing to prepare food? Okay? Zev is It's forbidden on Shabbos, forbidden on Yom Tif. Okay, what's preparing to prepare food? Lighting a fire. Okay? To cook the food itself, say. Right, to, but to do a malacha that's going to get me to a point where I can cook food, it seems, even on Yom Tif, is forbidden. Masisin like Rabbi Yehuda, this is not found in the dinner of Rabbi Yehuda. The time we went to the Brisa, Eim ben Yom Tov l'Shabbos, Ela Eichel Nefesh. Rabbi Yehuda Matar, Rabbi Yehuda Machshir Eichel Nefesh. Rabbi Yehuda permits even preparing to prepare the food. And therefore, that's not like our Mishnah. My time Tanakama, what is the reason for the Tanakama, which we're going to say is our Mishnah as well, right? It falls down with our Mishnah which says that you're only allowed to do food prep, but you can't do prep for the prep. Amakra, it says, who? Velay uh, makshirov. Okay? It says in the Pasuk that, um, that um, it's forbidden to work except for that which he needs, it. Velay makshirov, not what the cooking needs in its preparation. Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi says, lochem, lochem lochem no, this leniency of preparing food is given for you, so whatever you need to get your food is going to be allowed. What does Tanakama do with the word lachem, which seems to imply I could prepare for my preparation? He the Tanakama darshans it lachem You're only allowed to cook for you. A yid is allowed to cook for himself on yomtiv. You're not allowed to cook for a guy on yomtiv, which is why you're not allowed to invite a non-Jew to a yomtiv meal, even though you're allowed to invite for a Shabbos meal. Because on Shabbos, you're not going to cook for anybody, so there's no issue. But on Yom Tif, you may come to cook for the non-Jew, so you can't extend an invitation lest you come to cook specifically for, um, 
or, or additionally for that person. And also, also for you, and not for one's animals. Literally means a dog. A person has a dog, depending on the cook for your dog. Where does he learn out that you're not allowed to invite a non-Jew or cook for your animals? who? It says who? So it says, answers the Gemara, for Rabbi Huda, Ksib Hu, Ksib Lachem. It says Hu and Lachem. Meaning, says Rabbi Huda, I, I, I agree that, to this statement that you're not allowed to cook for a non Jew on Yom Tiv, you're not allowed to cook for your animals. However, I use this Pasuk to teach me that um, you are permitted to cook, uh, to prepare for cooking on Yom Tiv only when you are able to prepare before Yom Tiv. But I'll still stick to my guns that if you weren't able to prepare it prior to Yom Tiv, then you're allowed to perform that action on Yom Tiv itself. Okay, that takes care of the Mishnah and Gemara of the Ein Bain Shabbos Le Yom Tif. And now we're going to continue with the Ein Bains. Okay, and the next Mishnah says, Ein Bain Shabbos Demi Kippur, Shabbos and Yom Kippur have the same halachas. Ella, Shazaz Dainab Day, Adam Shazaz Dainab When you transgress for Shabbos, <coughs> excuse me, when you transgress for Shabbos, it's going to be Misa Bidei Adam. If there's warning and if there's warning and witnesses, so it's going to be a capital punishment in this world. However, if a person transgresses on Purim on, on Yom Kippur with Pur, with Purim, <laughs> transgresses on Yom Kippur with um, Adam and Asra with witnesses and warning, then the punishment is kares, which is taken care of up in heaven. Says the Gemara a statement, and I will, before we say the statement, let's talk outside. There's a concept in punishments, which we learn out from Masechus Makkas. It's called Kim Lei Bidarabamine. Kim Lei Bidarabamine means if somebody's obligated in two things simultaneously, you only give the more severe punishment. So, for example, God forbid you have somebody who pulls a gun and shoots somebody in the heart, killing them. Do we say to the killer, there was warning, there were witnesses, do we say to the killer, you're obligated in capital punishment, and $15 for the victim's shirt that got a hole in it? No. There's a rule. Kim if with one action I'm obligated in two punishments, you only give the more severe punishments. If this guy's Chayav Misa, you're not going to tack on also the $15 that needs to be paid to the victim's estate for his shirt. There's no obligation there. Okay? So does this apply specifically when B-day, by Bidei Adam things, when Bezdin is carrying out the punishment, capital punishment in this world, we're not going to give the monetary punishment as well? Or does it apply even in Shemayim Akaris? Do we say, oh, you know, you transgressed on Yom Kippur, you're going to be chay of kares, but in a way where you're, there's also a monetary punishment, you don't have to pay the monetary punishment, okay? That's going to be our, our conversation over here. Does Kimle Bedramine apply to Yom Kippur the same way it applies to Shabbos? Says the Gemara. When it comes to being obligated to pay, they're both equal. Because what the Mishnah say? What's the whole difference between Shabbos and Yom Tif? The type of punishment. But it seems, you only give the more severe punishment, applies even by Yom Kippur. 
Okay. Money must be seen. Who's the town of our mission? Rebukhuni ben Akani. It's Rebukhuni ben Akani. The Talmud and the Rabbis. Rebukhuni ben Akani. He says Yom Kippurim kishabes l'tashum. Rebukhuni ben Akapa said that Yom Kippur is like Shabbos as far as as uh, as uh, monetary payments. Ma Shabbos just like when it comes to Shabbos. Mischayev ben Asher. Somebody's chayev misa upatum not tashlumen. He's not going to have to make the financial payment. Af Yom Kippurim. So too when a person transgresses Yom Kippur and is chayev kares. And down here on earth, they're not going to make you pay. That's what that's the Bechidish here, right? Kim Lebedarabine applies even when Bezdin is not carrying out both punishments. You have Bezdin Shomala carrying out the Kares, Bezdin Shomata is not going to instill the monetary obligation. Tan Hasam, we learned in the Mishnah elsewhere, Kol Chayave Krisay Shalaku. Every time the Jachi of Malkus, where you get, every time the Jachi of Kuris, where you're also going to get Malkus, Nifteru Midei Krisoson, the Kuris falls off. Very interesting statement. But we're about to prove this, but what the Gemara is going to get into is when somebody has a Jachi of Kuris, you can get out of that. Kuris is a terrible thing. That means you're cut off. You could be knocked off physically in this world, but Kuris, you're cut off from Ganeb. Okay? For. A specific amount of time. It's, it's a very, it's not a pashta thing, obviously. Knocked off of eternity, you know what I mean? So, what this Bryce is telling us is that you could be Chayib Kares and Shemayim, but there's a way to remove that. With Tshuva, Yom Kippur, and some sort of Malchus in this world. If you have a curries, which also obligates you about, you get the malchus, that removes the curries. Shenemar, as it says, the nikla achicha be'inecha. And your brother will be lowered in your eyes. Kivan shalaka, once he's lowered, also means malchus, right? He gets lashes. He's like your brother again. He's going to, he can, he can uh, get his ganedim back. Dibe Rabbi Hanan, you have Gamil, his opinion, Rabbi Hanan, Ben Gamil. Amr of Yechanan. Rabbi Yechanan says, Chalukun lov chaver of Hanan Begamliel. Hanan Begamliel's friends argued with him. They said, no. Malchus ain't going to do it. Amar of Rabbi says, Amri Beirav. They said in the yeshiva of Rav Tanina that we could prove from a Mishnah. What the Mishnah say? Our Mish, uh, what our Mishnah say? Amin Yom Kippur and Shabbos. There's no difference between Kippur and Shabbos. Oh, it's just the name of Except Shabbos. The punishment is the Adam is ever the name of And Yom Kippur is Kareis. Vim Isra. And if it's true. That getting Malchus can remove the Kares, then either way, Malchus is like Kares. So Shabbos, you have a capital punishment, and Yom Kippur, you're getting a Malchus punishment. So that's not really a difference. So you see from over here that you cannot just wiggle out of Kares with Malchus. Amr Nachman says, money, no, our mission is the Shitas Yachid, it's individual. Yitzchaki, Damar Malkus Bechavi Krisis Leka, who says, oh, there's no, you'll never get Malkus Bechavi Krisis. Now, if you say you can never get Malkus Bechavi Krisis, you can never get out of Kares by getting Malkus. And therefore, there's no difference between Shabbos and Yom Kippur, except for Kares and, and, uh, for Yom Kippur and Bidei Adam for Shabbos. The Tanan, how do you know this is the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak? We learned in a Brisa. Rabbi Yitzchak says, Chayavi Krisis Bechlal Hayu. Chayavi krisais are included in a kloliyais different uh, in a kloliyais dika pasuk, okay? What we call a cloud, an inclusive verse. 
Why do we sing, why do we have to single out the obligation of kares when it comes to a person who has relations with his sister? We say yerchayev kares. To tell us you get Kare specifically and not Malkus. You see clearly the opinion of Rabbi Yitzchak that whenever you have Kare, there is no Malkus, and hence he is the author of our Mishnah. Everybody else who argues will talk a hold that there is further differences between Shabbos and Yom Kippur, or less of a difference. The further differences is that Shabbos will be Misavidei Adav and Yom Kippur you can even wiggle out of by Malkus. Ravashi and Ravashi has a few of him Rabbanon. You could even say our Mishnah is not Rabbi Yitzchak, it's even the Rabbanon. You could say Maybe what our Mishnah means is the primary punishment to Shabbos is capital punishment. Primary punishment Yom Kippur is Kares. Is there a secondary punishment of Yom Kippur where you can get Malkus? Huh? Yeah. Our Mishnah might agree with that. But our Mishnah is talking about the primary punishments and that's why it's listing these specifically. Okay, period. Tomorrow we will pick up with Davches continuing on with the Sugya of Aimbanes, of uh, comparing and contrasting various halachas. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.